0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Anfield Index Podcast. I'm your host, Trev Downey, and I'm joined this week by Carl Kalbach, Guy Drinkles in the background, and he may contribute as per usual. And we have a new guest this week, and it is John Farrell, also known as at Spoofology on Twitter. Some of you will be more than familiar with his work. A very interesting man. I'm delighted to say he's joining us today. Uh, photographer, videographer... He tells us here on Twitter that he's uh, not ours through the museum, medium of dance, so we're, we're really interested to see how that works out this evening for us. But a top man, and I'm delighted to be able to invite him onto the show. John, how are you doing, man?
0: Oh, good, Trev. Nice to be here. Thanks a lot for the invite.
1: Ah, uh, it's excellent. It's excellent. It's excellent to have you. And uh, we last week we had. Uh, Our first of this uh, series of of rolling guests, and we're delighted to be able to welcome you into the fold for it. As per usual, man, there's not going to be anything here that's uh, going to be rocket science. But at the same time, we like to have a little bit of a delve into a few topics and have a bit of crack as we go. So we'll see uh, how that pans out. And as I said, uh, we have Carl with us as per usual. And Carl, I want to just uh, get your response to my little opening thing here, which is the show's spirit animal. Uh, Brian Blessed, referring to a current matter. I've got it ramped up as high as I can. So, so let's see if you can hear it.
2: exhilarating, This
1: COVID virus, I really want to say one swear word. Bad or off, we will beat it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> incredible, incredible bit of Blessed there, Carl. You've got to love that. Uh, with, 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 with echoes of Berry as well. There's definitely a bang of Matt Berry off that. Oh, definitely.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a connection between the two. Um, I wonder. Um, we weren't going to do opening quotes, but did you see my only tweet of the day today? I Where, did where not. I mentioned Brandless. This is great because this means I wasn't going to do this, but I think I might have told the story before. But I um I took photos of the actual part of his autobiography where he reads out about when he did the film Flash Gordon, mm. uh, where, where he met a um uh uh how do you, how do you say it's a very very small man, shall we say? I don't know. I don't know what the term is, and I don't want. I've seen the opening scene of the Office, you know, so I don't want to get into all that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can, can I read that? What he says?
1: Please do. Yeah, this is
2: fantastic. Uh, cause, just because I saw it, it's my favourite Ryan thing ever, of which there are many. And don't forget, of course, I met him, which was uh, the strangest twenty minutes of my life. Um, I got anyway on on the set of um, Flash Gordon. I got to meet uh, a, a rather small chap called Deep Roy. His name really was Deep Roy. He was in Doc Two for a bit as well. Um, what a marvellous name, Deep Roy! Terrific. I'll never forget my mate Terry, the second unit director announcing Deep Roy to the crew before he came out for a scene. We've got Deep Roy coming on set on set, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, you heard me correctly. Mr Deep Roy. He's a very big star, so once again, can we have a bit of ush, please? Thank you very much. From Terry's build up we thought we were going to see somebody at least seven foot tall, with muscles sticking out of their sodden ears. We were expecting Geronimo at the very least. Then on came Deep Roy, who according to Wiki Whatit, he calls it. Wicky Watson um, is about four foot three. Hello, he said. Hello, young man, I replied. I'm not a dwarf, you know, or a midget. A little left of centre for an opening line, I thought, but I was game. Wouldn't mind if you were, love, I replied, throwing my helmet at Kenny Baker. (laughs) It's the greatest line ever. So if you're not a dwarf or a midget, what are you? I'm perfectly formed, that's what, he said. I was about to ask how big his cock was when he was suddenly called on set. So it's still a mystery to this day. If you're reading this deep, Write
1: in and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, he just keeps he keeps towing the line of uh, whoa, almost too far. but he's, 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 he's I mean,
2: I replied throwing my helmet at Kenny Baker. It's fantastic.
1: Uh, that is what an aside that is. What an aside that is. Uh, John, you may or may not be aware that we're very fond of Brian Blessed on this show uh, for various reasons. And uh, you may also have picked up, John, that young cop out there likes to drop an occasional clangor about the people that he's met. So I'm really hoping, mate, you've got <laughs> lots. I hope you've got lots but, of But I am, I am genuinely proud of that stories. one. Oh, yeah, you're proud of all of them.
2: <laughs> well, but, but 20 minutes alone with Brian Blessed and just listening to him talk was fantastic. Yeah, I, I told you I told you about the voicemail story, haven't I? You did.
1: You did. Uh, That's still
2: the hardest lesson I've ever learned in my life. That, I, I, I'm still, I, so I so think you
1: should. I think you should reiterate that one because it is—it is an absolute <laughs> tragedy.
2: So there's a line in uh, oh that's what we have because we called the show this. Um, there's a line in I um, Claudius which he is brilliant in. I mean he's just genuinely brilliant. Forget all the the Brian Blessedness. He's just a fantastic performer. He really, plays Augustus, and uh, is based on a true story. So basically a man called Quintilius Varus took two legions, and legions used to carry eagles, like big symbolic eagles, and he, they went into the um, um, the German forests where they met the barbarians, and they were absolutely slaughtered. And two of the eagles were kept by the barbarians. And the Emperor Augustus was incredibly upset by this, and he used to walk around at night every now and just shouting, Quintilius Varus, where are my eagles? And um, and he, he does this scene brilliantly in in, in Claudius. So obviously I'm with Brian Blessed. He's got to do my voicemail, absolutely has to do my voicemail. And, um, so he said, he said uh, so he said, okay, I'll do it. I press this, do I? Okay. So he said, okay, um, Brian Blessed here, the, uh, uh, Emperor Augustus, my Claudius. Um, I'm afraid, I'm afraid my friend Carl isn't here at the moment. He can't answer the phone. So do call him back, won't you? Thank you very much, Quintilius Varus. Where are my eagles? <laughs> and? I got back in the car that it didn't record. No. Oh. Actually, oh, I, I I actually I, I remember driving just as I was driving onto the motorway, I was literally sobbing with frustration. I'm never going to meet Brian Blessed again. <laughs> that moment's gone. And the reason I I, I, I know from various things after we with my, with my old school that uh, so I know George Sefton, who's the um the stadium announcer at Anfield, and he did my voice. He's, he's always done my voicemails since for about 15 years. And the first time I got that done, I got something like 37 missed calls. off all my mates. Just because they wanted to hear what he says on the voicemail. Oh,
1: so sad.
2: Which, which is not answering this phone is number five, Carl Kopak. Oh, that
1: is sad. <laughs> That's a, It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a downer to op- open the show with. John, I want to just establish something to start as well. So last week we had Steve Scrag on, who's a, uh, fantastic, uh, sports writer, uh, um, novelist and scribbler of all sorts. Uh, and we're, we're, uh, a lot of us, uh, certainly Carl and myself are very fond of, of the, the stuff that he does. And obviously you and I have. Uh, built up a bit of rapport on twitter o- over the last while and um, based on the stuff that you've been doing and uh, mutual interest in what we're doing just for folks who are still not following the at boothology account what kind of stuff is it that you're into and, and, and interested in doing just so people get an idea what what, what your main areas of of interest are
0: um yeah I, so i suppose like most um people on Twitter, I'm just shouting at the sky, hoping someone can hear me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's, it's great fun. Um, yeah, I, I, there's no real serious element to it. I'm generally, I I work in a a lot of different kind of areas, like without sounding too, uh, weird. (laughs) It's like artistically, I suppose. But, um, the thing is with, with the Twitter account itself, it's just, it's just mainly me trying to laugh at how unbelievably fumed everyone is at everything. So, Mm. Like that, you know, I, I might be a lot of the time I might be very angry at how things are going on the, the pitch, but I find it funnier to see how much angrier people are at that. And then it kind of creates this weird backwards anger at the anger, which I think we all go through it on Twitter now and again, right? But um, as far as what I do myself, um, I'm <laughs> I have the horrible title of a content strategist. I work on video, I work on music, um, I work on photography. Um, just different areas I can kind of be creative. And um, it ended up with me, I think you came across me from that creativity kind of spilling over into Twitter and me just making a show on myself constantly. So <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> there, there, have
1: been, there have been so many highlights, uh, John, to be honest. I, I do remember one fantastic combo which had the opening uh, theme credit music from um, Taxi Driver with you doing a uh, Leo Varadkar. Voiceover overall, unless I'm very much mistaken.
0: No, dead right, yeah. <laughs> oh
1: man, I just like it. To me, I was just thinking that's exactly what this medium was invented for. That's fucking fantastic, and you know, uh, I just, I just again, another thing that's that's been a constant source of interest to me is the photography. And obviously, you've travelled about a bit, and I, I couldn't help but notice uh that you've not only travelled in Brazil but played a bit of football in Brazil, and it seems to have been of a, a competitive nature. How how did that go?
0: Um, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Uh, the whole trip was pretty crazy. I When I, I arrived over there, to, the idea was uh, to see my the other half of my family, so, and I was going to marry my then-girlfriend. Um, so we went to do that, had lots of bro- problems with the the government and everything. Um, that was another story altogether. But wh- as far as the football went, um, it was a case that I, a, a guy that I'd been hanging out with there, because I, I worked while I was there, I was there for three months, and um he told me about this five side that happens on the weekend or you know, whatever seven aside. So went along to that. All oh, good. Try I I've been dreaming of playing in Brazil all my life. I thought mm. this was the greatest. I was like the idea of even kicking a ball on that side of the world, I was like, This is it, that I've made it, that I'm done.
2: It makes so, you proud, doesn't
0: it, if you've done that. Oh, it's it's <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. So it's a contract, I, it's pretty much a contract. Yeah. And so I got there and I was, you know, all, all excited. The lads got me very, very drunk the night before, so they made it, made sure I was especially hungover when I got there, um, and then I turned lobster coloured um, before I even got onto the pitch. Um, ended up playing, tried to throw in a bit of pizzazz, you know, Irish style. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, hang on,
1: hang on, hang on. <laughs> just dropped that there. Uh, I'll, that I'll, I'll explain.
0: I'll explain. Do you? I don't know if you remember when. Uh, the Republic of Ireland played Brazil at Lansdowne Road um, quite a few years ago now, but we were up against pretty much one of the best Brazil teams. Yeah, the you know, around. Team. Yeah, yeah Kaká, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Cafu. It was amazing. Um, and my favourite moment from that match was Robbie Keane getting the ball on the left wing and deciding to do a step over in front of Cafu. And mm. I'm pretty sure Cafu was so... Um, gobsmacked by the whole situation not like by the skill but more that he'd try it and was in the middle of dying laughing that Robbie Keane actually passed Cafu and that was the inspiration for me in Brazil I was like if he can do it so it's <laughs> okay just <laughs> so, go in big go in big early on that's the way to do it so the highlight of it was I um, I collected the ball we changed uh, bibs at one part of the because there was different matches that took place changed bibs I realized I forgot which team I was on. Saw a player running at me thought he's on my team. Realized he wasn't, and I turned and ran into a fence. Um, fantastic! <laughs> I I really I really encapsulated that you know classy European footballer. It's perfect. <laughs> so from there decided right I'm gonna have to up my game, and I just said I'll I'll put in the hard yards. I'll just run and run and run until yeah. I got um, the whole team shouting at me. Calm, calm, uh, yeah. tranquilo. So I was like. I'm obviously doing the right thing. Um at the time I didn't understand what they meant. Um so then at the end of the game they actually said to me, "Well, do you want to play for the the actual team?" And I was in shock because at this stage I was in the back of an ambulance and they were, you know, trying to bring me back to life. Yeah. yeah. So it was after that they they said, "Yeah, let's uh let's play." So I went along to the match and uh yeah, it was absolutely amazing. It was one of the best experiences of my life. We we played on a, a training pitch for a club there called Independencia in Belo Horizonte. Um and it was real nice pitch. It was the grass was spongy, it was so different to Europe. Uh <laughs> yeah. and then the as as I was I was on the bench and I was looking and there was um these like bulls, these amazingly like like from a from a, a movie those bulls where you can see the bones poking through and everything. Just going over this cliff face, right, like hanging over the pitch. I was like, this is like, I, I was at this point, I thought I was dreaming. I didn't think it was real. And then um when they were bringing me on, the managers decided to uh, hump my leg and scream in my face, volanche, volanche, while pushing through me in a, a practicing kung fu motion. I hadn't got a clue what was going on. I was the only one there that didn't speak Portuguese. And I had very few words. And I was looking going, yeah, uh, me, me, medio, d- defensor, medio. Defence and, and they were asking from what position I played. And I was like, the absolute cut of me. Like, you know, turned around and I was like, oh, numero dez, Like, number 10, you know. <laughs> right? I thought I was the business. So they turned around and they're like, yeah, 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 cool, cool. They sent me on, screaming volanche at me. And I was like, I still don't know where I'm playing. And I just noticed the space in midfield. So I was like, I'll slot in there and just see who tells me to mark what. Eventually, I got shouted at to mark one guy and realized I was playing central defensive midfielder. So automatically Fabinho just came out of me and look, the rest of, I won't go into the details after that, but the rest is history. I I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I left my <laughs> mark on Brazilian football.
1: Look, it's it's gotta be it's gotta be a fantastic experience. I absolutely love that the the little things that you spot out of the corner of your eye when you're in these weird places in these yeah. weird situations. That's what stays with you. And will you do us a favor, man? Um will you ping us on a follow or two from that experience or around there? so we can pop it up on the Instagram later on when you do that, because Carl's (laughs) all over that, if you ping pinging in there. Um, I want to get us started in a kind of formulaic and yet absolutely free-flowing way if we take a sentence as an answer that'll do for me if you want to go into any detail about it that'll do for me as well and it's basically just a kind of review of of the season i sent you guys out the kind of headings that we'd look at some are serious some not so serious at all and none of them have to be anything like i say deeply analytical it's just to get a kind of perspective just before we do that we should mention that there have been uh, a couple of nailed down outgoings from the club since we last spoke. Nathaniel Klein is gone, uh, Dejan Lovren is gone and Adam Lalana is gone. And Carl, I mean I know that um over the years uh, these are guys who've who've divided opinion and I know that you've very much uh, spoken up for the Degs lad when other people were maybe uh, horrified seeing the team. Um I think we came full circle because I noticed on the day that uh, Dejan was announced as departing. I think my all the best Dejan with that picture of him coming out in the clouds was one of the kindest tweets that I saw. Most of them very snide, and people can't wait to get the the, the foot in as he's getting out the door. Um, similarly with the Lalana stuff, an awful lot of people reacting um sort of um in a positive way to the the the, the emotion he showed and the stories he was talking about himself and Hendo, an awful lot of people sticking in the boot. And I guess it just shows I think maybe the snidey nature of a lot of people. And I think I'm assuming Carl that's what you were always railing against rather than the idea that Degs was the be all and end all as a footballer. It was more the nasty side of the of the critique.
2: If you're gonna slug off Diane Lovering it's a good job you didn't see um Oh, let's go with Peachnick. Let's go with Kvama. Um Yeah, I mean, I've done a show on this already today. And I said, I was at Wembley at the 4-1 against Tottenham. And I was shouting at him as much as anyone else. I applauded when he left the pitch. But what really hit me more than anything else, was for the five games after that game, he was immaculate. And he was a very, I'm not saying he's the greatest centre-back ever. I'm saying he's the product of a spoiled social media generation. Where everything is black and white. He's either the best thing in the world or he's not. And I, I, I think he, I think he's a pretty good meat and potato central defender. Mm. He's, he's not going to get first choice. If he comes in and sits next to Virgil, he'll do well because he works well with Virgil. Um, and if he's got to sit with, with the Joe or Joel, then the same thing as well. He will make a mistake. The last game he played, um, was that, uh, he came on at Goodison and he let – um, uh, I can't remember who it was. I went past him. Think it was who went past him. And we could have lost that game because of that, but the abuse he gets, I think it was absolutely, I mean, it was just, just embarrassing. I was, I was blocking people because of it. It was just so bad. Like, um, it's like, some accounts were just like, say, oh, you know, putting like, up these gifs about, you know, God descending from heaven. Cause we finally got rid of Lover. And I thought, Do you know what? I'm fucking spoiled to you. You should have seen some of the shite we've had to put up with. If you think that's the worst thing as well. And also, there's some bloke that said to me, he said, well, that fucking cunt of a loser can fuck off. You're a Liverpool fan? And you're talking about that, about a man who's won the European Cup, played in the European Cup final, won the league. Because he did, because he played this season. He won the league. And it's just really... This is the best Liverpool side we've ever seen. And for people to go and talk about somebody like that, it just... I don't understand that. I just don't understand it at all. So I'm not saying he's brilliant, but I think for a fourth choice centre-back,
1: I thought he was all right. You know, my, you, you know, my take at this stage is I, I never wanted to see Dejan start. Yeah, you're wrong. If we, okay. if, if, if we, if we had an option. And, uh, that's, that's a different thing altogether. When he was playing, you just, you, 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 I, I, I just always knew he had a Rick in him. So you just kind of hoped it wasn't going to be the day for that. But, Sean, I mean, just, there's another aspect to the Lovering thing that we might as well just touch on here. We don't need to go into any depth or detail, but it was something that I was unaware of because I don't, I don't get involved in the, the the secret lives of footballers. I don't follow lads on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what they're doing, what their kids names are or, or, Oh, did you see who liked what? I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I prefer to never know actually, because I like to be able to separate the artists from the art. um, and it's difficult if you know too much about someone. Um, I'm finding that with great stories. The more I I, I come across an author who I had massive respect for, the more I read about them in in, in in preparing for the story, you realize that they were a terrible eugenicist wanker and you go, Oh my god, this colours everything. Now apparently Degsy has been doing terrible things like liking Trump tweets and uh expressing, you know, uh admiration for the likes of David Icke or something like that. And so as a result degsy was cancelled by a certain um, portion of 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 society and that's a fact that's how that's how life works now and i like to tread a middle line where i don't go near any of that nonsense I've, i find it really really worrying but that you can understand how that was feeding into some but for some of it, it was just scurrilous i mean where were you on on the degs lad? i i I've, i got this feeling from stuff i've seen from you that you're actually more than uh, myself, who was like, if he's playing on backham more than Carl, who was like, you know, he's actually not bad that lad. I think you were actually all in for Deggs, weren't you?
0: <laughs> Hold on, whoa. <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> I'll, t- I'll be honest, I find it very difficult to, to shit on a player we have, because they're putting on the red shirt, and, and if I it. see they're putting in the effort, I, I'm going to find it very Hard to in any way to to give out about a player. Even I've when I've been at Anfield, I I, I don't I don't go oh or boo or anything like that. I you know I think you're there. I, look, people have got whatever they call you a top red for being like that, but it's just the way I looked at football. Yeah. Okay. Now the way the way I've seen it is if you're a supporter, you're you're there to support. You know, and people won't agree with that, and that's fine, and that's completely okay. But in my opinion. It, and my side of things, that's what I like to I like to support. And my feeling on Dejan London the whole way through this is that he got dropped with a very nasty situation. He Brendan Rodgers announced to the world that this this is going he's gonna be the leader of my defence. He's he's gonna be the leader here. He mentioned a leader all the time and that cannot be good going into a dressing room. When, every, when you walk into the dressing room, you're the new leader and everyone's looking going, oh, this guy is going to lead us, is it? Everyone's going to pick holes in you then. And the thing with Lovren, the whole way through his, his Liverpool career, he has never looked like he is not trying his hardest. When you see him do his, his Scooby-Doo run, trying to catch up on a ball, sliding all over the place, it doesn't look like he's not trying there. It looks like he's trying almost too hard and it's just falling to pieces. And I think the game is hugely me- like it, there's a big mental side to it and if you have a constant barrage of people destroying you all the time saying like for instance people were laughing at him for saying that he's one of the, the best defenders in the world mm. and based on the evidence he was presenting, he was at the time. He, he
2: was about to play in a World Cup final, which is a pretty good recommendation.
0: I mean. Yeah, you know, and, and what has he done since then? He's be, He's been in a squad that has achieved all we've achieved. Yeah. The other thing you have to bear in mind as well is, we've had a such riches in the centre-back position, although we've had injuries during the, the process, we've had such riches there that we're actually picking and choosing. And I hear people with different ideas of who should play, Centre back, and I even hear shouts that Fabinho should be playing there at times, be beside Van Dijk. Madness. But um, the thing is, Lovren has all of the ability to be one of the best in the world. I, I do believe that. I just think the mental side he, he's been destroyed, and I would blame a lot of people who supposedly support the club, and I blame a lot of the media. They they've they've piled on him and they've put him in a position where it's it's very difficult now. If you are asking me about him as a person, I, with, with football players, it's like fighters. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not watching sport to, like you say, Trev, to know about their personal life. If, if it turns out that they've done a nice thing in a school or a hospital or something like that, yeah, I'm going to look at and go, oh, that's great. That's brilliant. But at the end of the day, I'm there to see them play the sport and do the thing they're there to do, you know? So as far as I'm liking tweets and all of that, um, I, honestly couldn't be arsed with it like it's yeah it's not great it doesn't look good but there's a lot of people in my own life that are doing similar and I'm not gonna cancel them out of my life for it I'm gonna if I'm talking to them personally I'm gonna be like tapping the shoulder go, you know maybe that's not the best way to go but I'm not gonna hop on Twitter and you know be like here mate you uh, you should have done this in the game today um, and also <laughs> don't like Trump because at the end of the day like you know I'm I'm the guy people are joking about uh when they say, you know, like John John in Dublin there on the couch uh shouting abuse at a player like I'm I'm not I'm not going to be that person where I, I think I can advise a player who has got to the pinnacle of You, you of, say that John but Brazil. Yeah, look <laughs> you have a point, but I'm not I'm not one to bot my own well, in all honesty, in all we've all seen the footage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they call me they call me a young Iago Aspas. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but the, but this is the thing. I I just think it's so easy now to be so super harsh on certain players, and to, you know, like one one bad performance and and you're killing the player's career as far as you're concerned. I think pe- people want do want that they want the cycle and the website. Everyone wants. To have the content right, but at the end of the day, if we're looking on just performances, yeah, like like you said, Trev, he hasn't mistaken him one hundred percent. But I think a lot, of, I, like we saw Virgil van Dijk recently, uh, switch the lights off there in the head for <laughs> a game, and that was impressive. I was actually more excited. I was like, all oh, right, now now we've a game, we can see he's he's human again. Yeah. We, Gomez, he's he's had mistakes in the last few weeks. I don't see people talking about him the same way as Lovren. I think it's just that pile on effect. That's all it is. And at the end of the day, he's not a bad lad. And I, to be honest, I'm sorry to see him go because he seemed like he was a good guy to have around the squad. Well, you know, the, there's too, something yeah. else
2: important as well, Trev, is the fact that, because um, Klopp always mentioned this as well. Klopp, Klopp was interviewed by someone. You know, one of those Google answer things. I saw this recently. And one of the questions was, how many languages does Jürgen Klopp speak? And he says two and a half. English, German, I can get by in French, but I occasionally have to ask people to slow down. Um, Diane Lovren speaks eight languages. And he said, the the benefit from that is, like, all the Brazilian lads sit together, you'll go and speak Portuguese. Then, you know, you'll go to the German lads or, you know, whoever, anything like that, or the French lads, because he played at Lyon. And he said, it's just invaluable. It's just invaluable to have that sort of man. You can go around and just talk. It's, It's just
1: really, really good. I w- I would also take it as a fair indication of a lad being well liked uh, or a lad being a decent fella the fact that he's well liked by a decent bunch of lads yeah. uh, and and uh, like like John says I mean every one of us has uncle you know Bob or Jim Bob in the background who's <laughs> saying wild stuff when you meet up at the weekends and you just you, like you, you don't you, you just can't cancel everyone. Stop canceling people for fuck's oh, sake.
2: If you're talking you talk political, then you're not going to like what's going on with Alison Becker's mind at the moment either.
1: Well, this you it, see, it's a hundred exactly. percent. And we were also we were also we've said it many times on this show. Um, yourself, Cam, myself, we talk about the glory days of the '80s and all those boys that we used to love back then. There's probably some Tories in there, you know. <laughs> as I said, Paul Jewell
2: said he's the only Labour vote
1: fan in the dressing room. Exactly. So I mean, you just just let it, just let the football be its own thing, and then everyone's going to be a little bit happier. We should give one quick word about uh, Adam Lallana as well, uh, who is signed for Brighton. Um, I've seen a lot of people reckon that it's a decent move, Carl. Um, I personally would be. Uh, very dubious as to whether he uh, he he'll, he'll be uh, uh, he, you know find a new level and and be able to go for a full season. He did seem to be quite uh, brittle uh, physically um, by the time he was coming towards the end of his time with us. Um, but I'd love to see him do well because genuinely another guy. And I know you don't go bundle for the sentimentality, but I, I was—I genuinely moved when I saw the 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 emotion that I'm talking about. Um, Hand uh, on getting player of the year—that uh, meant a lot to him. It's it's his pal, and he's been through a lot. Yeah, it, it means a lot time. to him. Yeah, they, yeah, they soldiered together, and it meant a lot. Um, where do you stand on 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 Lalana being able to go on and kick on at Brighton and maybe have a couple of good years there?
2: Well, I made up. He's gone back to the south coast. I really like that. Um, again, if anyone's heard me say this twice today, I've done this another show about it, but, um, it's, it's just a really nice thing he's gone to Brighton because he could have gone higher than Brighton, but you know, no disrespect to them. But I love the fact he's gone home when he's still, what, 20, whatever it is. Mm. But, um, he's a good player. You know, he's, he's, just, he's just wasn't for us, but never saw, I sort of remember bad games, but never saw of bad games for lack of effort. Um, I think it'll be a loss. I really do. I think he was a really, really big asset for this part of the season. Because, you know, when people are getting tired, when people are getting injuries, Adam Blan, we, we say it all the time, didn't we, Trev? Like, you know, if Adam Blan is our worst midfielder, that's not about midfield.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, the worst thing that I'd ever say about him was that I, I, I failed to see an impact, uh, quite often. Um, he slowed uh,
2: a lot of moves down because he took too many touches when he first came.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the in the way that 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 I'd be saying that about Div now is that things are not dynamic when he gets the ball. They 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 they're the opposite. But then he goes and does what he did the last day. Johnny, a word from you on on Adam before we move on to the next section of the show.
0: Single greatest five side player of all time, by far. Yeah. He that's what he looks like to me. The just the best five side player I've ever seen. Is he a great footballer? I think he's very good, definitely. Like you said, if he's the the you know, one of the lesser midfielders we have, brilliant. Um as far as what you're saying about going to Brighton, I honestly think he's going to be immense there because if you look at someone I always think if you look at someone like Jack Grealish, they wouldn't get on very well, I think, in a Liverpool side because of the amount of work and everyone pushing and pressing and and you've to have quick touches. I think Lalan is very similar to Grealish in the fact that if he collects a ball and like when he was with Southampton, he can hold on to it for a minute. He can he has the the, the slick touch, he can turn, he can look for someone Lay it on. I honestly think he's going to stand out there. I think it's going to be, it's great for him. The other thing to bear in mind as well is, I don't think the way he was expected to do his duties at Liverpool suited his his fitness. I think what it comes down to is, um, if you're if you know your names on the team sheet every week, you know where you need to be at. Whereas he would have to go from zero to one hundred every time he was brought off the bench. Um, I think that does wear on a player and I think when you when you know your jersey isn't guaranteed it's a lot different situation so honestly I wish him the best of luck and I do think he's going to be very very good down there. You
1: think about the likes of um, Mopey that kid trusts our, uh, our man Connolly and uh, yes. making it, make it runs in behind and off him and him having the ability, as you say, to put his foot in the ball for a second, which is a rare mm. uh, uh, thing. Um, and, and being allowed to do that, being indulged to do that, I think you could be onto something there because they do have some nice, uh, as Brennan would call them, technicians there in that, in that team. So it'll be interesting to see. And I, like, I couldn't wish him any better luck. So hopefully that will go well. Um I want to move on to this next section of the show where we're looking at uh, a few, um, a, a sort of a retrospective on the season under a, a couple of different headings. And we'll start off with. Uh, the idea of opposition teams. We're talking there about Brighton. We're talking there about, uh, who was it, Zenit, that uh, that uh, Degsy's gone off to. Um, and I want you, I asked you to think about this. Hopefully you've yeah, put a bit of uh, uh, thought into it. And if not, winging it will be equally good. Uh, Karl Coppock. Um, Welcome who to the show. Who,
2: who was your,
1: uh, <laughs> your favourite opposition player this season?
2: Favourite opposition player this season was Danny Ings.
1: Oh, okay. For sentimental
2: X red reasons? I'm, just, I'm it's it's not just that. I just think there's something about Danny Ings which is just really um because again because he's got he's gone, you know, um to Southampton. And he's probably just a little bit too good for Southampton, I think. Um and he's just turned them around, I think. I I, I really wish he got the you know, the the, the golden boot, but um it's just been a nice story because, because he deserves it more than anything else. He just absolutely deserves that because, you know, he had two really big injuries for us and um wasn't massively keen when he scored against us and we had the worst 20 minutes of the season when we played them on the first away game. Oh, that was a hard afternoon, but uh yeah, I'm, I'm just really, really happy for him. And it's been a weird season, it's obviously because we've won the league, but there's other players I like as well. I've already liked Todd Campwell at Norwich. I think he's got mm. something about him. Um, I like one of the lads at uh, Newcastle. Where I can never pronounce his name. It's Sam Maximian, something like that. Yeah, very
1: good. Sam Maximian.
2: Yeah, Maximian. Yeah, he's, he's. I like him a lot. Yeah, because he looks annoyed all the time. Yeah, always, um, yeah. always a good sign for a
0: player. Like
1: serves services to headbands as well. Big Johnny will be into that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to get that Nike sponsorship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have show lad. It doesn't have Show.
0: <laughs> se- selfie on Twitter every day with a Nike
1: headband. And <laughs> what, what does You're that not, mop look like in, it, without the the the, the headband put, uh, pulling the back? Is it gone? Is it gone big? Like, it must be gone big at this stage. Is it
0: shroomish An overused mop. That's what I'd say. A, yeah, it's it's grey in areas, not looking too grey. Um, yeah, I mean, look. We all get through lockdown our own way, you know. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> Nobody's judging you, man. <laughs> <judged> you. <laughs> uh, we we
1: we got the we got the weekly update of Carl's uh, uh, increasing Barnet until he got the chop there recently as well. So we're we're, we're all familiar. What what about yourself? Who was your favourite Apple player in the uh, season gone by?
0: Uh, I knew I knew a lot of these were going to be the same. Well, at least I got the feeling. Uh, Danny Ings was one show I had, but um, I suppose the other one I'd have would be. Um, now, I'm not going to pronounce this properly. He plays for Leicester. He's a defender. Uh, I believe it's Sarin, Sarinju, but it's like... Oh, so, so, Sunchu. Soyun, Soyuncu. yeah. Soyuncu. Yeah, Capri Sun. I don't know. It's, it's very good, <laughs> but um, it's a great name. Uh, but no, honestly, I as soon as I saw him uh, the first few games of him for Leicester, I just thought we've missed the trick here. That guy beside Virgil van Dijk would have been terrifying. Um, like I can't imagine a better defense around. But honestly, he when you see him, it's it's the fact that like Van Dyke, he has the size, he has the strength, he's very tidy. Um, I love the fact that people are saying, you know, like, uh, oh will he fill Harry Maguire's shoes? I mean, if you're talking in terms of you know weight, fitness, all of that, uh, heaviness of head, obviously not but if you're talking about you know uh, actually as a player I think Harry Maguire is in the hype and he plays compared to him he just doesn't touch him um and honestly this season I just think he's he's been brilliant for the most part so he'd be my choice anyway
1: I did really enjoy the Lord Farquaad memes as well. Um, because (laughs) there's a lot of that going on. He's got that big lantern jaw thing going on. Mm. I, I, I rate him very highly as well. And he was, he was where it was between him and my other one, which I think is going to please Guy Drinkle in the background. My shout would be Adama Traore. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you for why. It's because he's one of those guys that you just don't know what's going to happen. And I love that. Uh, it's one of those things in football. I, I spoke to, I spoke to, to Jan about it on the show during the week and it was very interesting that we were both kind of coming down the same thing. He was talking about, um, Bruno Fernandes for United and, uh, how when you're watching him live. You just don't know what the fuck he's gonna do next. And and Yan and Jan finds that exciting. And I said, I can relate to that. Because one of the best moments I ever had live watching football um was watching J.J. Okacha. Um I got to see him live twice and it, it was that thing of like I've no idea what's coming and and with Treori as well. I don't and I don't mean that you'll notice I've picked J.J. Okacha who I rated incredibly highly. Um people think Bruno Fernandez is the best thing since sliced bread. The unpredictability <laughs> It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, a reflection of, um, headlessness or anything like that. It's just, honestly. A y- yeah, you do. I do. I do. I love that. And I, I, I do love unpredictability. And also there's something just beautiful about watching someone leaving someone for dead because they're just too quick and they get to the violin <laughs> swing it over. So Treoria would be for me. I have to say, um, uh, what's, yeah, Guy's guys happy with that. I'm glad, glad, glad I can make Guy happy. I'm glad
2: to say he's been sullied by Steve at Mannam and dry-humping his leg.
1: Did that happen?
2: Oh, uh, the, uh, when we played Wolves away, he was like a... You know that um, Ron manager from the Fast Show? <laughs> I oh, it's good it's gorgeous isn't he? Oh, look at the size of him! Oh, it's he's amazing! Look at him! It. Look, like that for ninety minutes, Jesus, he just go and tattoo your phone number on his leg. <laughs> Jesus Christ, honestly, so I thought it's been sullied by me for me. Uh,
1: okay, well, that's not really his fault. Let's let's swing let's swing it around, uh, turn the tables, and uh, this time, uh, Johnny, you get the you get the honour starting least favourite opposition player on, of the season gone by. You know, here we go.
0: You probably all know what this is, but uh, Harry Kane, hundred no. percent nailed on. Um, you know he's like a what would you call oh. him? A clone of Rodney from Only Fields and Horses and Jordan. Um, and just <laughs> terrifying result. It's I just can't stand him. I can't. I can't stand the whole thing around him. I can't stand the fact that he's able to sleep at night knowing Jordan Henderson's in the same national team and he's the captain. Yeah. Um <laughs> But I just everything about and do you also he's made a career off falling forward and scoring goals from it and good on him for doing it but I've no interest and when I heard people saying you know I hear a lot of you know United fans saying oh he's the player we need he's the player you know he's you're welcome to him and just let's see what happens because honestly I think Spurs would have had such a better chance of winning the Champions League against us if they dropped him and kept with the team they had but instead they had to go Captain Kane and all, all his merry army and they ruined it for themselves and I couldn't be happier. And I'm sorry, I, that, it's not like me to sound hateful, but just even that baby thing he did recently, the baby video. Oh, just. Yeah. He just doesn't seem uh, to get
1: it, does he, John? He just uh, doesn't seem to get it, and maybe he's maybe he's bought into the whole, you know, uh, Harry Hotspur, you know, glory, glory, England boy type thing. I'm not sure what it is, but he seems to really bought into it, and yeah, he's certainly easy. He's certainly easy to this. Like I, I, even just as a footballer as well. I remember years ago we be when he was breaking onto the onto the scene. We were doing the Day Trippers podcast ages ago, and uh, Paul on there used to say every week, "What is it like?" He's he just he's constant, like you said, he's constantly falling over, and things are hitting off him and going in. Now he kicked on, and as you said, he made he's made a career of it, and clearly he can finish and all that type of thing. But uh, I I can absolutely get behind that choice, Carl. What about you? I've I've a feeling I think I know what this is already.
2: I was going to go Harry Kane. Um I was gonna go for a slightly different reason the fact that he looks like a World War Two by bi- World War One but by pilot <laughs> <laughs> with his flick back hair. And probably I'm guessing a very erect scarf, which has been overstarched <laughs> like he's flying in. It, it, it just annoys me. He just um I, I agree if, if they'd gone Son and Murray up front, then, you know, we would have been in a game uh in Madrid. So uh, it, it 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 is him and the guy's gone for Pickford, but I really like Jordan Pickford just because he just never stops giving us things.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's so a perfect comedy relief. It, it it is absolutely perfect for that. Does this include managers or is that our next question?
1: That we're coming to that. Don't worry about that. We're coming uh, to that. Right. Uh, I will say, I'll go, go Harry Kane. My least favourite uh, opposition player, a uh, bit of a bit of a uh, sideways shout. This was watching the Michael Jordan Tom, uh, uh, documentary. Isaiah Thomas with the Pistons he used to really wind Per Michael up, and he was really good, and he seemed kind of nasty. So I'm going for him as comic book villain of the year. I can't really dislike any football footy players because I'm too sound. The other lads can do that, you know. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: can we have another? I don't know name. That, 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 the to um, the lad at Shrewsbury.
1: Like oh, Shrewsbury. Yeah, Sorry, I'm going to say this out loud. So, Kurt, cover your children's ears. The self-proclaimed cum-dog.
2: That's him, oh. yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you remember, John? you remember that lad, Cummings or cum, something like that? He scored a goal. Oh, yeah. uh, He's going to he... the <laughs> There's That's... a reason
0: I blocked that outro.
1: <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely obnoxious little Rotten. sham of a man. Yeah. Um right. Uh we are going, <laughs> we, we are going managers uh for the next two. So first is favorite manager. Look, I have to start this off.
0: Oh, myself. I knew you were gonna do this, Trev. Go. No, ahead. no, no,
1: but I have to start this off. And, and uh, no <laughs> you no, you're, you're both wrong. I'll tell you why you're both wrong. <laughs> I had this mad shout during the week. I was talking on Mobby on the spot on Monday, and I was I was asking Jan this very question, and you know what he says to me? David Moyes, he says. <laughs> I went like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to explain that one, pal. And he says he's met Moisey a few times, and you know, because hanging around Merseyside over the years, they'd known each other, they had been the different doos do's and stuff together, and he says he sat down, and the way he put it was I know if I had a two hour flight or a three hour flight, and I end up sitting beside David Moise. We could talk about football. We could talk seriously about football and in an interesting way about football, have a bit of fun, shake hands, and good luck. He said he 's just he 's an engaging man to talk about about football, and I went, fucking I love that actually because he 's too easy, i guess to paint as a kind of a comic book uh dope <laughs> uh, and and he 's been too often. The, at the very heart of all the, the, the biggest rivals that, that that we have as reds. So I found that very interesting. Um, so I'm not saying I'm all turn around on Moisey, but it'll interest shout. Carl, we'll start you with this one. Your your favourite opposition manager, who would be? Um, I don't
2: know his name, but I'm going to go for um, David Hasselhoff at Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> R- 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 Ralph Von Shoodle Shoodle.
1: <laughs> it's actually not that hard fella. Like, it? just, just <laughs> so <awesome. laughs>
2: <laughs> oh just because that's genuine because you know that they they got battered nine nil by Leicester and I just thought he was uh and they pulled it together again after that and I went on this massive run. And um I don't like Southampton. I just don't never have never never got into it at all. But um I thought he did I thought he did really, really well. So I'm gonna be nice about him. I think he I think he's a class act as
1: well. I think yeah. he's very good and I think he's finding his feet and I think he's going to be very, very formidable next he's year. He's not as annoying as other managers I go that far. He's not. Mine was Daniel Fark. Uh, I love him. I just love him. I, I, I love his little high pitched voice that doesn't suit his head. Uh, I, yeah, I think he's. He seems like a gentleman. Um, he's got that really almost stereotypical Germanic uh, accent speaking English, and he just seems sound. Uh, so uh, that would be my chef, Johnny. Who are you go for?
0: Oh well, I I hadn't anything else prepared because I thought, you know, Daniel Farrak is the man. I exact same. I I adore him. I adore his demeanor. I love the fact that he seems like he's after coming from some medieval land and appearing but he's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his his consciousness is from the future and it's, it's professional <laughs> I, I just imagine him sitting there you, you know like the whole life <laughs> it's, it's surreal you know it's like um i don't i don't probably can't even do this right but like you know he'd be like my my burning desire to to find the, d- the greatest uh english premier league player of all time led me to the, the forest the deepest darkest forests of uh Finland but uh, myself and timo pukia realized uh this might not have been my finest hour because uh we find ourselves in in the championship and uh now i i carry the shame of uh, norwich city football club and delia smith like uh, a bag of as you like to say uh, hot cross buns and you know that that that's what i adore that's it it's just amazing and he's he's perfection and that's what I'm going to miss most from the Premiership now that he's gone because I literally would go out. I haven't bothered paying attention to other teams, but this season I went out my way to see his interviews after every game and I adored him. He's just oh, the best. Brilliant. That's brilliant. That Darren
2: Farley does a really good impression of him as well, I should say.
0: <laughs> I, I, was like, I was like, did I just get cancelled for an impression? No, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> he genuinely knows it's
2: worth looking for.
1: <laughs> You're in safe company here when it comes to cancellation, Paul. Don't worry about that. I enjoy, I enjoy that immensely. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, big shout in the background for Dicey from Guy. And I should have gone with Dicey, but I've spoken too much about him lately and uh, he's going to take me for granted. So I wanted to bump him out for Daniel perennial park. Least favorite opposition manager, then we'll start the reverse again. So, John, with you, who is it that you, you, you don't like looking at in the opposition dugout for whatever reason?
0: I don't know if this is obvious or not because a lot of people pretend he's like a, a you know, a great guy, but Ollie Gunnar Solchar, I just can't, I can't have anything to do with that. It's, it's the fact that he, he like permanently looks like he's just noticed your bin is too far away from the curb, your wheelie bin. <laughs> or it's like he has the look on his face like he's just after seeing your dog lamp his dog out of it. And he's looking at you like, did you just let that happen? And that, that's, that more than anything is what annoys me most. If you're looking at him as a manager, I mean, he has, I, I don't care what anyone says. He's just thrown a bunch of players out there and going, oh, do it like the gaffer did or whatever. You know, like talking about Alex Ferguson. Football's moved forward, just stopped. And the other thing is, he, like, what annoys me as well is he's supposed to have had a successful season. He got 66 points last season and 66 points this season. He finished sixth last season and he finished third this season because we took up most of the points. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the, I, obviously City as well, but I, it's, it's just mental that he's considered some kind of success for getting into the Champions League when there is literally, he brings nothing to the table. And I, I don't like to be one of those people that's like, oh yeah, man, you know, I hate everything about them, whatever. I do genuinely try and, and look at them objectively, but it's just, it's so obvious he's terrible. And I just, this whole, oh, we're doing it the old school way and all of this, and it's just horrific. He just needs huh. to stop.
1: And you know, aside so altogether from um, his merits as a coach, what what winds me up about him—he was high on my list as well. Um, second, I think, on my list, uh, what winds me up about him is. We used to think Mourinho was graceless, and he was. We used to think Ferguson was graceless, and he probably is the king of all graceless managers. Um, but we've seen it ramped up a level now from people that you don't expect to see it from. So you see Pep Guardiola being spectacularly graceless uh, in recent weeks and months. And now, and since he started, you see exactly that little edge you were talking about there, that kind of... That kind of, whatever it is, he's always on edge. It's that kind of yeah. little sort of, uh, he's angry with the world and he's ready to, you know, very early on in his career, when he was facing a, a, a microphone, he had an opportunity. He was asked about Liverpool. He couldn't wait to let everybody know, <laughs> you <laughs> know, exactly. Yeah. Straight in two foot. And he's like, Oh yeah, you're a great lad. Go and earn that. And then maybe yeah. we'll listen to you. And he hasn't earned anything like it. Carl, what about you, your least favorite manager?
2: This is controversial. Um so I've said already that one reason I don't like Harry Kane is because he looks like a World War One pilot. Yeah. Let, let's go for his squadron leader. Eddie Eddie Howe at um
1: <laughs> oh, oh,
2: oh, oh. <laughs> oh poor Eddie. At, at Bournemouth. Exactly. And 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 that's why, Jeff, what you've just said there Exactly. It's because it's people like Jonathan Pierce who just they can't say the words Eddie Howe without saying great English manager. And it's just amazing how often Bournemouth get absolutely bummed at home. I mean, constantly every time, um, again, I said this on a show recently, every time I put, put, you know, half time scores on or something like that, if I've missed the first half, I'm always looking at Bournemouth nil somebody else too, always that like they can they don't just concede, they concede big. And he just got away with it all the time because he was English and blonde and quite sort of Aryan. <laughs> Is that the word in a way? Um, you know, it's sort of like, uh, as, as they say in that Kevin Smith film, like Nancy Poster Boy that he looks like. And it's just, it just like reminds me of, um, he's, he's Harry Kane's older, older brother. who has got a slightly better suit that Harry borrows occasionally. It just reminds me of that. And I just think I can't stand managed to just get away with that all the time. And I, I'll come back to it. I say this a lot, but when Moyes went to West Ham for the first time, they, he's just about to go there and Danny Murphy said a match today. So, you know, they're going to bring in David Moise, you know, because after Mauricio P- Pellegrini. And they said, Oh, that'll be good. He'll make them difficult to beat. And he believes (laughs) that he genuinely believes that. And like, he's what, and Moise won four in 53 or something stupid like that. And it's just, it's not, nothing against Eddie Howe. It's just the absolute free ride he gets all the time. And I was going down and saying, Oh, you know, but there'll be a job for him in the Premier League, but based on what? No, he, he did a good job at Bournemouth, but the people are painting out like he's like, you know, just Charging mad, just charging mad. That at all? I've made up when they went down, and uh, I, I find it even funny that um they've said they've made Aki for forty-one million quid, <laughs> with 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 an add-on clause of one million pounds. I saw a fantastic. Um... How, how mad is that? One million pounds add-on. Like there, there's a lot of faith in him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a fantastic conspiracy theory that 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 bid was deliberately to inflate the market, which would would otherwise be yeah, more know. realistic, and uh, then blow everyone else out of the water. No one could compete. And for uh, Nathan Aki, yeah. Do you know it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting take My 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 one, I did flirt very heavily with Nigel Pearson because I think he's a priggish bully, yeah. and I just don't like priggish bullies. Yeah, exactly. The whole <laughs> ostrich thing. He just strikes me. At, Bob Mortimer does a great take off of him, where he's, he says, um, he, "He, you know, he's always going around challenging people to a fight. Do you want a fight?" And he's basically going around <laughs> tra- challenging lads to fights all the time, and it's perfect that Bob has ever often nailed stuff like that. But for me, you you mentioned the fr- the phrase "free ride," Carl, and I'm looking at the table and I'm looking at Crystal Palace, forty three points. And I'm looking at the eulogising that went on about their manager. Yeah, um, the algorithm. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, He's, I, I, I can never like him. Uh, I, I know it's, it's. About, we're supposed to sort of get over it and move on and all that rest of the rest of it. But uh, for me, anything to do with that lad is always a sort of tainted. And when it's when I saw him being celebrated again as some sort of uh, genius, I found it very, very difficult to stop. You are perfectly
2: entitled to your opinion. I mean.
1: That was, yeah that was my
2: impression. Just, just look at where they are in the table. Did, did they win and draw and lose the same amount of games? That's, that's always my, uh, that's the algorithm that um, a mate of mine says. He's, always, he's always won one draw and one lost one of his last three. That's how it goes. Uh, let's have a look. One eleven, one eleven draw and ten lost seventeen. Decent season. Oh yeah solid. You know, that's five solid. games, four defeats and a draw. Well, I think that's a pretty good return. One in fifteen.
1: But if you were to listen to the commentary throughout the season, and as the season was
2: wrapping,
1: was wrapping to a to a conclusion, pundits, the Barney Rones of this world, talking about his uh, his uh, uh, remarkable achievements and what a guy he is, and it's it's just it's it's a load of nonsense, and I don't like, like it being like, being uh, uh sort of constantly iterated. So we move on. Our next uh, category here is uh, right. I'm looking at I've got 4 left and I want to get out of this uh kind of around the hour mark. Uh so I'm going to give you your choice of a topic. We have best reds related footy moment, best non-reds related footy moment, best goal or best Twitter footy you can. I put that in for a bit of snide at the end because I remember when we started doing podcasting uh when I started doing podcasting back in 2013 people used to say stop talking about Twitter not everybody's on twitter but now everybody's on twitter so fuck off and pick your best twitter account if you like so you've got a choice of those four categories john you can pick any one of them and and, and give us a take on it
0: um i i wasn't too sure i when with the uh best reds related moment but I'll, I'll give you mine as as far as like a personal experience and mm. styles. dials. <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah just it's up there i mean i've had We've all had loads of great moments would like to do with Liverpool, but one in particular that stood out to me was the, sadly, again in Brazil. Um, but yeah, when when I was there in Brazil, I was panicking before the uh, the European Cup final because I was like, where am I going to watch the game? I didn't have anywhere definite. I didn't want to use a stream because, you know, you, you don't know how that can go. So I went on Twitter, that, that thing that everyone hates, and I was like, searching for anything to do with like Belo Horizonte um with the supporters club, searching, and searching, and searching. I eventually came across a guy by the name of Eric Barbosa and he his name is as amazing as he is as a person. But uh <laughs> the guy he 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 was like so cool. Got I got onto him and was like, look, is there anywhere that people will be watching the game, other Liverpool supporters and um he he gave me the location and everything like that. And in Brazil things are probably are a little more dangerous so at the same time I was a little kind of apprehensive to go there but um I went there with a friend of mine uh, we got to to the place and I've never seen any I couldn't believe it it was amazing there was about a hundred Liverpool supporters in the middle of Brazil I could, I just could couldn't get my head around it and I'm searching through the crowd for the for this um this Eric Barbosa absolute legend and straight away you Like it it was a small bar, a lot of people packed outside and he pulled me right up to the front and he's like, look, we kept the space for you here up by the screen. And I was like, this is dreamland. Couldn't believe it. So um, we ended up going back outside, having a few drinks together, all having a laugh. And then we like took photos out in the street. I'll send that one on to you later, Trav, where there's literally hundreds of us in Liverpool shirts. And I I just couldn't imagine something like this would happen. And it, it really brought home. It's like when they say like how global the club is. It just was so special to be amongst people who love something as much as you do, but in a completely different place in the world. So it was. I at that stage I'd been there a couple of months, and it it was it was a nice kind of. Uh, although like like that, I'm not from Liverpool. I'm, you know, uh, a horrible out of towner, but it was nice to feel something re- related to home, you know. So then at the uh, watching the game, uh, it was amazing. They they knew even though most people there didn't speak the. the like didn't speak English, they knew all of the words to the songs, so they're singing away every song and I, I couldn't believe it, I was like, this is heaven so I'm screaming my head off, and they're looking at me to do, start a song, and then I'm looking back at them and it was amazing, and um, then, uh, yeah, the, the goals went in, I, the first goal obviously was great, but then it was like that nervousness of we scored too early, we scored too early, oh god, oh god um, and then when, when Divock's goal went in I just remember screaming nearly blacking out and then I just remember I had a plastic chair that I was shaking above my head as if I was <laughs> some kind of, i as if I was having some kind of weird trip, and I was just going la <laughs> la
1: la 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 la
0: for literally about five minutes. The game would start back up, everything was gone, and I was still in that position while everyone was screaming and jumping around around me. just what a what a moment to be around and then to see us lift the trophy like that because that was the first of the you know the, the big ones that came there in the in the last year, and honestly just immense moment to be amongst just great people that you wouldn't expect to you wouldn't expect to find so many liverpool fans in such you know, a different part of the world, but it was perfection. So that—that's the moment for me. I probably talk too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's class, I and mean, you know what? It's
1: really—I think anyone who's listening to the show or is a regular Anfield Index listener will have heard the show that um, we put together last summer. And I got to speak to people from supporters' clubs, literally, literally all over the globe—South Africa, various parts across the states, people um, in various other African countries, France, Spain. We had people from Greece. And you got that same experience, um, that lovely commonality uh, in a place that you don't expect it. And it's just, it's a, it's a gorgeous story every time you hear it. So, uh, I'm delighted with that. That's a nice one. And Carl, Carl, what about you? Pick any one of those four categories to finish off with this season retrospective.
2: I'm going to go for uh, three Liverpool moments. One of which I said last week, actually, but I just like it so much. And that's when Allison came out against Norwich. Uh, I'm sorry, when when Adrian came on against Norwich. That was yeah. a really big yeah. thing. I've written about that this week. Uh, I would say it would be Curtis Jones' goal against Everton, just because that was yes. just the funniest afternoon I've ever had in my life. That was just so funny. Particularly when one bloke said on Twitter beforehand, that some Everton fans said, if we can't beat the shite with that shite, then we're shite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, 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 and we did, with an 18-year-old kid in Toxted. Uh, my absolute favourite moment of the season is Trent's celebration against Leicester on Boxing Day, when he just ran to the corner like, flag, folded, folded his arms across his chest, and just, and just smiled at everyone because yes. that was, I think, that's the moment we won the league.
0: Screaming Mbappe, twenty twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It> was, <exactly. laughs> that kicked, oh, that kicked off a shitstorm, didn't it? Well, <laughs>
2: yeah. but that, that, but that, that performance, that night, you know, because we'd just come back from from Qatar and. We were supposed to be really, really tired. And then Leicester were going to win the league for some reason I couldn't quite get it at the time. They, their fans are horrible, horrible fans. And to put four past them with, with the right back and just run over and just smile at our end, that was just a sort of, yeah, we're just so much better than everybody else.
0: Wasn't that wasn't that such a, a major shock? Because I, I remember thinking exactly that when they came back, that, oh, here we go, we're going to have the, the hangover. It's yeah. going to, you know... And to see them just still be the team that we knew they were and look the days, battered them all. The yeah, mind blown to watch. And and it was that that was probably one of the moments where I was like, "This is this is such a special moment of watching football in my life." I'm, it's possible I'll never see anything like this again. So it was just to savor that was just absolutely spectacular. Well, absolutely it,
2: it, was, it was also nice because I, I go with my brother-in-law who lives just outside Leicester. And all his mates are Leicester fans, and they all they all supported Leicester for one season. Guess which season that was? <laughs> and, and then they all went off, they all went off football, and then suddenly they got into football again. Um, and you know, my brother goes goes to every game with me and stuff. And um, my brother, he's he's not the most passionate of men, I'd say, but God, he went big that night. <laughs> and and like, I've never seen him jump over his seat before, and he, he did went Trent put that one away. That was lovely. <laughs> I'm with the Brandon I'm just going to leave that there. yeah leave we
1: we'll leave we we'll leave the brand related chat for another
2: yeah, time I'm still abuse abused like of that
1: we are we are getting dangerously close to going way over so again i like we're, we're way short of the things we plan to do i'd ask you guys for a tv rec for a podcast rec for a music rec so we're going to finish as we usually do with that uh unless you've got something to plug in which case feel free to do so at the same time uh so i'll finish with you john and i'll go to carl first so which of the three do you want to mention to me mate and then if you've got anything you want to flag up um, feel free to do so.
2: Well, to be honest, I'm back in work, so I've been working pretty much non-stop. Genuinely, so I haven't been watching much telly at all. Uh, I've been listening to um, Life Goals, which was a an ad on Twitter recommended to me. It's it's like Desert Island Disc for goals, and the guests are pretty terrible. To be honest, I just had Ian Dark on um, on on a show. I recently listened to him. Well, some of, them are, some of them are quite honestly. It's just sort of like you know, oh. Let, What's your best moment from the euro ninety six when England did this? What song have you gone for to accompany that i've gone for three lines really that, yeah. is, that is off the wall um but uh but I'll be listening to that a fair bit on my sort of running and stuff um but uh as for stuff i've got going on uh we've got just we've just got our, um, this week on some green grass and the ball matt Caslin, sixteen years old, I should say. I've just written a piece about Monaco, the team that was the flash in the plan pan. I didn't know Monaco were like pretty much almost going down to the third tier in 2011. They were so bad. And then basically just got one bloke and he found Mbappe, he fought Lamar, he got Fabinho, <coughs> people like that. And they you know, and, and they, went, they won the league against PSG, they're big rivals. So he's written about that. Uh, and that's a massive number on the website as well. Next week on that, I've got, um, I've written a piece about the most famous scoreline in Scottish football history try and work out what that is, and on my other podcast, the From Adler to Amberley, I've got two rogues coming in to talk about um, a show, a story called The Noble Bachelor.
1: Two, two rogues. Two
2: rogues. Two, two short story experts are going to come into my show and talk about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you care to, would you care to, to name
2: them? Oh, Neil, I know Neil Poole's really good, so I'm looking Yeah. <laughs>
1: Neil Poole and some
2: other prick. And some other prick. Am I might ask you on the podcast. Great. And then some other, some other prick from rural Ireland is going to be talking about it. read the story. In fact, I invited um, both the lads on and um, Pooley said, is there anything I can do beforehand, Carl? Such so as read the story, for example. Well, yeah, you've mastered that bit. Well done, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably yeah. read the story that you're about to talk about for now, 45 mm-hmm. minutes.
1: Uh, we've 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 already been talking strategy about how we're going to pr- approach this pod. Don't worry about it. Uh, we, we're a bit little bit intimidated by the whole idea of the the nerdery that we're not in on, but we're also going to just. Well,
2: that, that's why I think it'll be a good thing because you know yeah. you, you you don't say things like you know you're not going to be thinking ah, but it says on one story that there's 16 steps going up to Baker Street and there's 17 in this one. You know you're not going to be like that. You're gonna no, be
1: like, we are not going to be like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. Yeah. Um because I we have Bonnie McBird on, um the the woman who wrote um Tron and she knew that level. She yeah. really, really knew everything about it. But I want you to on um, just because I want you to look at it as a story rather than um Sherlock Kane here.
1: It's also it's also nice not to be the Anorak in the room for once, I'm delighted with that. Uh done that. I will I will I will just finish up by saying that what a couple of things I'm listening to at the moment. Um oh first of all, the thing I'm watching. I'm kind of wary about talking about Netflix all the time, but it just yeah. happens to be on. It's called Fear City. and It's a three-part uh, documentary about the the mafia rise in the 70s and its decline and uh, takedown in the 80s. Now, it, it front oh, center, it front and center is Rudy Giuliani, a bit too much for my liking, but their footage is fantastic, and it's all about that um, um the the wiretapping sort of case that they built uh, in the 80s, and it's superb. And the like I say, the footage of New York in the 80s and in the first episode, some of the stuff in the 70s, it literally put your hair stand on end. And it just reminded me of a podcast I I was really into called Crime Town. It's had a couple of great seasons. And, you know, even the likes of Slow Burn as well. It's got that feel of Slow Burn. Slow Burn at the moment, by the way, has a, a season on David Duke, um, and previously it was Biggie and Tupac. Previous to that, I think, wasn't it, Carl? i right it was, uh, it was Clinton. Uh, fantastic stuff, both of those, uh, and all of those. And just in terms of my own little plugs, I am going to start editing now tonight after recording, and it took me two hours to record the story. So how this is a short story, I don't know. Um, but it's a story called Sonny's Blues by James Baldwin. And I will not lie to you, of all the things that I've read for this, this one has really just hit me between the eyes. I, I found it emotional. I found it evocative. I found it really challenging in places in terms of just uh, how you think about the world and how you've been lazy thinking about the world. And also incredibly insightful. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's just a bloody good story. And it's bloody great writing. So hopefully people enjoy that. Unfortunately, because it's so long, there won't be me and Pooley chatting about it but he will be back for a Dennis Johnson story called Work, which will be within seven, eight days of this one um, coming out. And that will be number 20 when, de- when that Dennis Johnson one drops and we will be in a new era for the podcast. And I look forward to talking to people about it then. John, what about yourself? I'm uh,
2: um, uh, sorry, uh, can I just, because uh, just, I just thought of a TV thing, which is not a bit sideways this week. It's the Rupert Murdoch documentary that's been on every Tuesday on BBC. Oh, um, it's, it's, it, it's only three episodes and they finished all. I, I, I'm going to say straight away, I know the executive producer and, um, it's phenomenal. It's basically about how Murdoch basically just bounced his children off each other to see who would get the tickets, you know, who would get the, the keys to the empire when he dies.
1: Well, I, 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 I I'd be fascinated. I'd be fascinated to see it, but I, I, similarly to that, there was a thing, I don't know if you saw this, John, it was on RTE, uh, but it came from some, uh, it came from CNN, it was a CNN-made documentary, It's called uh, The the Bush Dynasty, and I watched it, and all these talking heads, and I thought, like, oh, great, we're going to get a, 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 you know, proper summation of it, you know, because uh, Republican, Fox, CNN, Democrat, that's how you're supposed to believe, you believe that two-party bollocks. But whereas they tried to make it as slightly, you know, ooh, Georgie should have done something better there, it was essentially a hagiography. And I'd be worried because Murdoch and the BBC. Let's just say it, Carl. Let's just be honest. I mean, there's no, yeah. well, there's no difference. They're all the same. They're all drinking out the same trough. So did you find it genuinely to be... Uh,
2: it's, it's an independent documentary that the BBC has just filmed.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, well, I look forward to it. That's a, that's a nice tip. And I presume you can get on the player then. Yeah, I assume so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sound. Uh, John, what about you? Any any recommendations for people culturally, and then if there's anything you want to plug yourself?
0: Yeah, cool. Um, I I won't go into anything too mad. I'll just say, um, there's one artist I Listen to he he literally I think has only released two Sp- songs on Spotify. Um, his name is Ruthven R U T H V E N, and he has a song called Evil, and it is fantastic. I think it's only it's been out the last few years, but as far as I know, the dude is still studying in college somewhere in England. And he is going to release an album eventually. But this song is unbelievable. So if you get a chance, Evil by Ruthven. And there's another one you might not know. It's called A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Absolute banger. <laughs> just give it a go. Just, I mean, it's spectacular. Yeah, um, I like what you've done there. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> just it, 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 it really just picks you up when you're down. So that, that'd be, they'd be my cultural choices. Um, as far as what I've got, Uh, going on at the moment Um, if you have an interest or fetish in headbands uh, just follow me on Twitter at Spoofology yeah it does exactly what it says on the tin, a lot of spoof um, but you know some bonus headband action if you're interested and um, as far as what else I'm doing usual creative stuff I don't really know when I'm releasing things so I, I suppose I'm going to be releasing some music in a while but I won't get into that uh, I'll I'll come back to you, Trev, when I have something <laughs> solid to work with. And um, apart from that, I'm just going to be doing my usual interviews on the toilet between games of FIFA. So, um, yeah, that's it. Press conferences and interviews there. So, that's me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, look, I, I can't recommend enough that people would go on and, and give you a follow there on Twitter and see the stuff that comes up there sporadically from you. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate the the musical shout. Uh, myself and Carl love a, a Spotify shout and a new music shout. So we'll both be on to Ruthven immediately. I might even, might even uh, try this newcomer Carlton you mentioned as well. Uh, <laughs> Let's see how we get on there. I get the feeling Kabak's in the background putting his dinner in the microwave. Do you?
2: <laughs> no, I, I, I've just put my phone on. That's what it is. And obviously, I'm so popular that I've got lots of messages. Good God. <laughs> it's, 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 I'm about to play a quiz league now, basically just my mates calling me a dickhead.
0: It's Brian Blessed, don't lie. <laughs>
1: it's Brian, it's Brian Blessed called me a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> right we should wrap it up guys probably wonder what the hell's going on we're going on the 90 minutes of stage at this stage hopefully there's about 70 of a show there uh or 75 and it's not too much longer than that john thanks for joining us that was john farrell you heard Car- carl cop back there uh guy drinkle's been in the background as ever helping us out and contributing to the show i've been trev danny um next week we'll hopefully have someone else new for you and hopefully these boys john i hope you'll come back to us at some point
0: will you definitely 100% love, love it.
1: it right love it that's great that's two returning guests in Steve and John at this stage we're, we're doing well we've got two for two and um, it's been a, a pleasure to have both lads on like I say I've been Trev Denny, and until we speak to you again be, calli- be kind to your fellow Reds and stay safe out there
2: Network.